Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. This week, we're fortunate to have Greg Brown and Mark McDowell join us. Um, As you'll learn here over the course of the next hour, Greg with the Charlotte Angel Fund um, has been working to expand the it's the footprint of the Charlotte Angel Fund, which has primarily primarily been a downtown Charlotte and South type extension. Um, he's trying to expand it up into an area that I think is a natural a natural direction for it to go, which is into the Davidson and Lake Norman area. We've got a lot of really talented people retired execs, current execs up there in that area that I think have a lot to contribute to the ecosystem here in Charlotte. And Mark McDowell has been part of that ecosystem for, you know, at least the last five or 10 years. He's a partner with the VC fund out of Canada, Canada called Real Ventures. Um, Is, you know, part of the driving force behind um, an initiative up there called Launch LKN. and bringing a angel group, angel community to the Lake Norman area just seemed like the perfect things for these two guys to, to come together and do. So our podcast today just kind of covers that, right? How did it come into being? What is it? What are the hopes for it? And a lot more just around the angel investment scene in Charlotte and how it's growing by leaps and bounds through Mark's eyes as somebody that lives up there in Lake Norman. And then obviously somebody um, like Greg's eyes, who's been in and around it since 2013 when he first set up the original Charlotte Angel Fund. So hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast um, of the Charlotte Angel Connection. So Greg and Mark, thank you so much for, for sitting down with me today. Um, I'm excited about you know being up here at the Hurt Hub and talking about what's going on in the Davidson area startup and investing scene. So thanks for carving out some time for me. Thanks. This is a pleasure to be here again with you. Good so, to see you, William. Um, so this this podcast kind of started bubbling up. It's probably it seems like it's been six months ago. And it, um, it probably wasn't that long, but over the course of at least the last six months, the two of you, been, two of you and maybe other folks have been working on bringing a more structured approach to angel investing in the Davidson area. Um, and the Charlotte Angel Fund just had, I think, its third monthly kind of extension meeting up here. What led to the discussions of getting the Charlotte Angel Fund up here? Um, how long have those been going on, and how did it finally kind of kind of come into place? Mark, well, I'll let you lead off on this one. Yeah, I'll start off. Um I've known Greg a long time. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's, been, it's been a long five years. Yeah, it's longer, longer than it seems. <laughs> um, so, so Greg and I have interacted in Charlotte and in the Lake Norman area, and as we've gotten the programming uh, up and running here in Lake Norman, we've included Greg uh, in all of our events. So uh, it was fairly natural for, for Greg and I to start talking about how the Charlotte Angel Fund might fold into our programming, but but Greg actually is the one who put the idea forward. So, yeah, and the I think Julie Goff is actually the one who initially sort of planted the kernel in my brain. Julie's the I don't know what her title is, director of the Herd Hub, mm-hmm. essentially, and she said, "Hey, I think we've got 
I think we've got an investor group up here that um, or is ready for some structure, could use some structure. People are interested in this thing. And I was at a launch LKN event and um, pulled aside Mark McDowell and Mark Mahoney mm-hmm. um, afterwards and sort of said, hey, I've got this idea. Would, would the two of you um, be willing to kind of be an advisory group or help me figure out how this might manifest itself? So met with the two of them plus Luke Walling. Uh, Luke and Mark Mahoney are existing Charlotte Angel Fund members. Luke is a Catawba County mm-hmm. guy, and he's very interested in development of entrepreneurial and investor communities um, you know, outside of Charlotte. Um, so he's interested in making one happen in, out in Catawba County, which is probably one step more um, adventurous in yeah. terms of making that happen in Hickory or someplace like that. Yeah. Uh, so we started talking about whether whether the group thought there was appetite for it, how how that if there was how what was feasible and what wasn't yeah is it a separate fund is it just an extension of an existing fund you know, what how did we think this could manifest itself that was administratively feasible yet still meeting the need um, and went from there. Mark, you. Um Launch LK in, I don't know, did, when did it start? Four years ago? Probably, I'd probably say 20, 2016, okay. so three years ago. Um, did you kind of see the Hurt Hub and all of this coming along as part of the, is that kind of the end, or, and maybe not even the end vision, is it the midpoint of the vision? of what was kind of seen when you started down the road of Launch LKM? No, no. In fact, uh, the Hurt Hub turned out to be a real happy coincidence of timing, actually. Um, uh, I worked in a small co-working facility here in Davidson, and I knew uh, Chris and John Bogiano, mm-hmm. who are entrepreneurs in this area, I think they've been on your program, yeah. who had their own sort of co-working place in Huntersville. And uh, we had kind of a loose agreement that that our co-working folks could kind of float between the two facilities. And uh, uh, it was kind of a natural discussion to say, hey, what if we had our own organization up here, not just for co-working, but also for some some level of programming. Um, And uh, it was probably six months after that that we actually uh, created Launch LKN and and structured things. We've all had good relationships with the college, with Davidson College. Uh, Chris and John were actually the uh, entrepreneurs and residents at Davidson College. And so uh, we were at the table when the college first started talking about what to do with this old uh, mill that they had just bought. Uh, And so uh, they were not planned together, but they were on a nice convergence path. Uh, And we, we all moved all of our operations into the Hurt Hub last July. So we're kind of at our 10-month anniversary or so right now. How, um, how important is kind of early-stage capital to the future of kind of the Hurt Hub, Davidson Capital, entrepreneurs up here in this area right now? Um, well, let me start with that one because I we did not want to make Launch LKN or the Hurt Hub um, about fundraising. We wanted to make it more about community. And uh, when I say community, I specifically mean students, entrepreneurs, uh, people who are thinking about becoming entrepreneurs, and then mentors. And mentors can 
mentors can take all shapes and sizes. In some cases, it's a retired exec. Some, sometimes it's a cashed out entrepreneur, but sometimes an entrepreneur is a mentor. But we wanted to be about community, and we thought that if we could get the community working, then the money discussions would follow naturally. But we were afraid if we started, if we kind of made it all about money on day one, then uh, every conversation would be um, a little bit stilted. Uh, and we didn't want it to be that way. Um, so, Greg, talk for a second. So, um, Charlotte Angel Fund's now coming up here. So, um, what does that mean for Charlotte Angel Fund? Um, how does it work? How does it operate? Talk a little bit about the logistics of, um, of Charlotte Angel Fund here at Davidson. Sure. Um, I think you have to start with understanding what we do in Charlotte, and then it makes it easier to understand how we're bringing that uh, up here to Davidson. We have a monthly meeting of our members. There's some programming in there. The guts of it every month is that three new investment opportunities are presented to our members for their consideration. These are three startups out that I've invited to come and present out of you know, whatever's out there in terms of the deal flow funnel uh, that's come to us in a variety of ways. The, so those three companies come and pitch, and then afterwards there's a you know, gathering of opinion from the members about which of those they're interested in, et cetera, due diligence process, and then you know, maybe that leads to an investment. The, um, and I will tell you, the lion's share of the work is, in, is related to deal flow. The, in, in finding the, get the whole process that leads to having those three companies lined up to present. The number that you have to talk to and events you go to and all of that kind of stuff. The, what we've done in Davidson is that we're holding a mirror event, an identical event in Davidson to the one that's held in Charlotte. We meet in Charlotte on the second Wednesday of every month. On the preceding Tuesday, the same meeting is taking place in Davidson, the same presenting companies, et cetera. So that, um, and it's very simple for a Charlotte Angel Fund member or an interested party. So we have, we have two meetings a month, they're identical. Tuesdays in Davidson, Wednesdays in Charlotte. Attend whichever location and time is most convenient for you. You can mix and match. You can Maybe one month going to the going to the Davidson meeting works better for you, and the next month you want to go to the Charlotte one because you're going to be uptown, you know, going to a Hornets game. So you stop into the Charlotte Angel Fund meeting in, in advance of that. Yeah. Everything outside of that meeting, um, important to understand. We don't make decisions in the meetings. So within within we're not voting on investments within the meetings. We're not selecting who we're going to move forward into due diligence with in the course of the meeting. It all happens via online poll and outside, other methods. So therefore, um, it's a just bringing an identical meeting the night before up to Davidson. Everything else from a member experience point of view is identical. It doesn't matter which meeting you went to. You saw the same companies. Um, you can... When it comes time to, hey, we like XYZ startup, we're going to do a due diligence process, um, we'll probably have members of that due diligence committee, who some who saw them in Davidson, some who saw them in Charlotte. Um, so it's just simply that mirror meeting one day earlier. So it's truly just an extension of membership. It's not a new quote-unquote group. Correct. It's not, an, it's not a new fund. It's not a new structure. If you're a Charlotte Angel Fund member, you're a Charlotte Angel Fund member. It's just a matter of 
your preference in terms of date and location at which you attend the meeting. That way, administration, there's no duplicate administration burden, right? That would have been, and as we talked through things in that kind of organizational discussion, that was something that, from my perspective, was really important to avoid, right? Because the, I, I didn't want the, I was looking to not have too much overhead burden, not, to, not necessarily in cost, but in labor, in terms of making this happen. And if we had had to set up a separate fund, and therefore you might end up with different portfolios, different deal flow, funnels, all that sort of thing, and we're looking to avoid that. Okay. So we'll come back to the, um, <coughs> the two different groups, but um, Mark, so Charlotte Angel Fund kind of headquartered or started off down in Charlotte. I think it's fair to say it has a fair number of bankers, probably some legal people, maybe a little bit less from a risk-taking perspective. You've been up here in the Davidson area for, gosh knows, um, probably a couple of years. You know the area fairly well. What's the makeup going to turn into up here? Is it going to be a similar mix? Is it What's the... What's the pool look like as far as the folks that are going to come to the Davidson area Charlotte Angel Fund meeting? Hmm. Well, you know, when we first conceived of Launch LKN, it's because those of us who live up here, uh, we discover one another uh, through social events and maybe maybe speakers at the college. We discover interesting people uh, end up moving to the Lake Norman area. Um, there's a lot of people who I say they hide on the shores of Lake Norman. There's a lot of people who who, who live on the lake uh, and enjoy that quality of life, but every Sunday night they fly to work in California or Seattle. Um, and when I say a lot, I mean you know dozens of people like that. And these are people who who have significant executive roles in the tech industry, but they work outside of the market. Uh, there's also people who have run tech companies in other other geographies that have retired or semi-retired in this area. So there's a lot of people that fit our criteria of, of mentors or tech enthusiasts um, who are kind of disconnected. They moved here to be on the lake and to and to enjoy the quality of life. Um, and, you know, some of them would make it into Charlotte, but not on any kind of a consistent basis. And uh, once I realized that there was sort of critical mass of people, we said, let's just form a local venue where those people could meet one another and help aspiring entrepreneurs. Um, it turns out that's also kind of uh, the, the, the exact target audience that Greg is looking to for a membership in the Charlotte Angel Fund. Um, so uh, when we met and had this initial discussion about having a parallel Angel Fund meeting up here, it, it seemed like a pretty natural thing to try. So, um, Greg, that describes a different person than the person in Charlotte. Um, from an angel fund member, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm of the opinion that um, however many members you have in the Charlotte angel fund down in um, in the Charlotte inside 277, you end up with a similar number up here in the Davidson area. I think that's a fairly safe yeah. bet. Um, two distinct types, <clears throat> not distinct, but two separate types of people. Um, so technology-oriented people, retired executives that saw pitches for new products on a consistent basis internally, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how is that going to alter the makeup of the Charlotte Angel Fund over time? I think the 
Revolt? I, I would, no. I, I'm, I'm not an advocate of revolt. Uh, mutiny. Mutiny. Yes. Yes. William, if you want to carry the banner for the splinter group, I will, I will give you the administrative manual and you can take that on. Um, I think very early, but my gut feel is that the Davidson-centric group is going to, it's demographically going to be different than the Charlotte-based group. I think it's going to be, have a higher degree of tolerance for risk. I think the Charlotte-based group, if you think about accredited investors in Charlotte, many of them have accumulated their capital in ways that are could be looked at as very analytical and in some cases risk avoidant right that's what banking is 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 you know uh, analyzing everything and trying to scrub all the risk out of every transaction that you can and so i think that uh, as you know, there are a fair number of our members in Charlotte Angel Fund who I value, and I think it's great that we're bringing them into the universe of people who are willing to contemplate early stage investing um, in this manner. I think they are less risk tolerant than what we will see as the, and probably less experienced in the entrepreneurial community than the um, what we will see as the average. Davidson-based Charlotte Angel Fund member. Overall, keep in mind, these people, they're all part of the same group and they're making investment decisions collaboratively. Uh, they, and something I should have mentioned about Charlotte Angel Fund is that I'm the administrator, not the manager. So the members are making the investment decisions. I think that'll make the group, um, I think introducing that'll make the group a little more risk tolerant. I think that's a good thing. Um, we'll see how it plays out. No, I'm, um, again, I'm intensely curious about it. Um, Mark, um, you hear a lot of people in Charlotte say that people invest their money the way they made their money, right? And nobody in old Charlotte was a startup founder. Um, and that seems to be maybe a little bit different up here. Um, what, um, but they're good on the analytical side. What's the, the new member that's coming into the Charlotte Angel Fund up here in Davidson? What's their kind of hurdle that they have to get over? Right? Charlotte Angel Fund down in uh, Packard Place um, needs to get over the analytics. Um, they need to accept a little bit more risk. What's the makeup of the person up here? That's a good question. I don't know if we know that yet. Um, the group in the Lake Norman area is um, is is not homogenous. You know, really every different kind of story that you can imagine. And we're, I think we're still probably looking for that pattern. I do know that uh, a number of our Launch LKN members are fairly active angel investors themselves. Uh, in some cases, they might invest through uh, funds like the Charlotte Angel Fund that operate in uh, uh, the areas they used to live in before they moved here. So, so I can put my finger on at least a couple of people who fly out of market to, to write uh, angel checks. Uh, and so I know they have the, the sort of risk appetite that, that Greg is looking for and that we need in this area. <clears throat> um, but there's also, I think there's more tech executives and retired tech executives here who have worked in the West Coast uh, and, and have that risk tolerance uh, as opposed to risk avoidance. But I don't think that we really know, and it's hard to generalize right now. 
It's um, it should naturally help the entrepreneurial spirit at Davidson College, right? I mean, over the Herb Hub being here in general, you've got a co-working space, you've got advisors, you've got Launch LKN, which is mentoring companies. Um, what um, what's the goal from an entrepreneurial spec to respect out of Davidson College? What what type of entrepreneurs are we going to find coming out of that ecosystem? that the mentors can really support and that ultimately, hopefully, the Charlotte Angel Fund can find a way to invest in as well. Yeah. Well, um, I generally think that uh, the entrepreneur of the future is going to be a liberal arts grad and not necessarily somebody with a computer science degree. Uh, For the last 30 years, the computer science, you know, the programmer has had the leg up, and I think it's still an advantage. But... um, uh, but every student in college thinks about a startup option. It's not just a fringe option anymore. And, and kids in liberal arts colleges, many of them, are thinking about startups instead of uh, law school and, and business school. Um, but I do think that as, we, you know, as technology has evolved, uh, it's fairly easy to, to build a company these days. It's not that hard to stand up a new company. Most of the services you need are in the cloud, and a lot of a lot of the software is, is configuring cloud services. Now, there is some programming, um, but I think uh, vision and execution and hustle are probably more important now than they ever have been, uh, as opposed to just pure programming skills. And so students coming out of Davidson and other liberal arts colleges, uh, they actually have the right stuff. They have the vision, the integrity, um, the sense of ethics. I think that's pretty important as we move into a world of, of robots and artificial intelligence. Uh, so I actually think that liberal arts is a really interesting test case for, for what we're doing here at Launch LKN. I think other liberal arts colleges around the country are kind of watching Davidson. And, uh, and Davidson's maybe kind of writing a playbook, whether they realize that or not. Um, what... Um I was listening to a, um, a podcast on the way up here, so it came up from Charlotte. Um, I had a smooth drive today, so for anybody that's thinking about call, coming to launch OK and leave at 1 o'clock, and it's a very smooth drive. And listen to one of William's podcasts. <laughs> yeah, listen, yeah. <laughs> Were you listening to one of your old episodes no, or just some inferior podcast? Um, huh? I was listening to a podcast with a guy, a gentleman by the name of Jason Wolf. You might know him. He's with the um, uh, uh, Venture Fund. Um, and he kept talking about these different founders that he was investing in. Um, and I was blown away by the founder, you know, the stories behind the founders that he had. Um, I think we got some of those type of people in Charlotte as well, right? I did a podcast or a cake side chat with Derek Wayne, and I never met Derek, but stratified before, and I was blown away. I think he's a super dynamic person. Um, how do you find those people in this area that, um, that just, you know, they're so easy to kind of lynch on to and say, gosh, we want to throw every resource we possibly can at them. Yeah, let me take that one because we have tried to make uh, Launch LKN and the Herd Hub, we've kind of tried to make it a honeypot uh, to attract people like that, yeah. including first-time founders that don't have a name brand for themselves. Uh, and we do that with a lot. Of, there's, there's something going on here almost seven days a week. Uh, it's not always founder-oriented stuff, but there's a lot of programming here. Um, and, and including uh, purely uh, scientific topics. Launch LKN does a series called Infinite Possibilities every other month where we invite uh, 
uh, founders and academics talk about you know, very technical topics. We, we just took on CRISPR and gene editing. Uh, we've taken on AI, blockchain, smart cities. And, and these are not uh, startup pitches. These are discuss- two-hour discussions where the community learns from other community members about these emerging technology areas. And that's proven to be a good honeypot. That's a good attractor of smart, curious people who want to build things. And so that's kind of our gateway into the uh, startup process here. Um, Greg, I mean, so kind of stay on the on the founder topic for a second because uh, it's so important, right? The founding team is what makes the company over and over and over again. Your team, team, team. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you're sourcing deals or looking for companies to come pitch up here in Davidson and then the following night down there in Charlotte, um, how do you find how do you sort for the team, right? What's the it's the magic potion to find the team that's um, capable of coming down to present or over or up or wherever we happen to be. Yeah, the I think something that's important is you've got to be able to sell. I, I think a founder sells at several levels. You have to sell. You have to convince an employee to come to work for you. You have to convince somebody to purchase your product or service. You have to convince an investor to put money into your company at different levels. But, um, and I think one of the things that's important in doing that is being able to concisely tell your story. And I think that comes through, you think about the format of our meetings where you have 10 minutes, 10 minute pitch. That's it. A lot of frust- a lot of founders are very frustrated by that. And some, some just frankly don't do it very well. And as you know, you've seen a lot of these women. If, if somebody, if they can't convey it in 10 minutes, it's very unlikely that in the 11th minute they're going to say something that makes you say, now I get it. I'm, I'm ready to go. Hey, there's a reason um, it's called the elevator pitch. Yes. you got to do it while you're on the elevator. And so can you, can you, in a relatively short period of time, articulate what you're doing to someone who isn't steeped with knowledge in your space? Right, so I think that's that to me is sort of a, an indicator of can they sell something? Um, you know, like to see we're obviously looking for teams of complementary rather than duplicate skills, right? You know, I I don't if I'm starting a company I shouldn't go out and hire my clone. Yeah. Right. Uh, so are, are you willing to uh, assemble a team? Have you been able to assemble a team of people with differing skill sets, perhaps even differing points of view on certain things? Um, it's a it's a subjective rather than objective thing, right? There isn't. We don't have, as you know, you've yet to see the Charlotte Angel Fund team scoring matrix yeah. because there isn't one, right? You sort of say, I feel good about that team. I don't. Um, and I think that's one of the challenges and what experiences they've had. Yeah. I think, I do think that's one of the challenges that, uh, I'll say the Charlotte startup ecosystem, but sort of, uh, I'm, t- I'm thinking broadly, not just within the city limits that, um, there aren't a lot of, um, entrepreneurially driven companies in Charlotte, it, it, when you think of the big entities, right? So there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of folks who, if they've been around Charlotte and worked for some of the some of the companies that we know here, et cetera, many times they're not coming to they're not coming to their startup with 
sort of a sense of the innate feel of the startup and how it how it goes, right? Maybe they've been working for 20 years at one of the banks. And it's great to have that domain knowledge, but um, if you're doing a fintech startup, but by golly, if you're going to do that, pair yourself with a CTO who's been in three startups, mm-hmm. right? Not the, Not your buddy from the next cubicle over at the bank, who's also a wonderful technologist, but... Yeah, you know, hasn't hasn't been to the place where you're going. Yeah, um, no, good point, um, Mark. You do investing outside as well, right? That's right. Um, what um, what do you see out there that's interesting in the world today? I know, um, I think a couple of years ago you came in and talked to the Charlotte Angel Fund, um, and you did a talk. Was it was it on robotics that you did? Was that at that point? In time? I think he was AI. Was more, it gen- AI? it's more generally about yeah. AI. Yeah. 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 Um, what's what's the emerging trend that you see out there? Kind of um, that you see maybe infiltrating Davidson's world over the course of the next five or ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my fund, uh, which is called Real Ventures. Um, we're investing out of our fifth fund right now, mm-hmm. and that the primary focus of that fund is, is AI-based companies, companies that are using machine learning to uh, either create new industries or to transform existing industries. Um, our secondary focus in that fund is blockchain and crypto-related uh, companies, because so we think that's a lot more than just uh, cryptocurrency. We think it's a, a new paradigm for computing. But if you ask me what I think is emerging, um, uh, well, number one, I think I think AI and machine learning is gonna is here for a long stretch, and we're gonna see different uh, flavors of that. But I think that's a that's gonna be a permanent fixture for the next few decades. Um, but we are seeing a fair amount of uh, what I call um, uh, housing or property tech property technology, and this relates to uh, um, uh, housing construction, affordable housing. Uh, and 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 mortgage finance and the finance of housing, uh, and and not only that, but but everything inside the house, and and also including sensors and Internet of Things and aging in place. So generally speaking, I think property tech is uh, is an interesting area. Another area that um, we're leaning into for our next fund, and I think you're going to hear more and more of it, is. Um, uh, uh, I guess I'll use the term impact investing or uh, investing in technology that serves the needs of society. And I'm not talking about uh, nonprofits or, uh, or social, uh, you know, social entrepreneurship. Those are good, but that's not really a target for venture capital. But I'm saying that every company we look at, we are asking ourselves, how is this going to make society better? Um, and because I think when you when you just wear the AI hat, you run the risk of uh, destroying jobs, or maybe putting society at risk, or or a lot of unknown unknowns. So we're trying to make the societal impact a um, uh, more on the forefront of our criteria. And I'll tell you, when I talk with young people, ranging from my own teenagers uh, through to the Davidson College students that we interact with here. Um, for people under the age of 25, social impact is is an extremely important criteria in, for, for their careers, whether they're going to take a, a startup path or a more conventional path. So they're looking for companies that care about society and impact. Mark, I'm interested. Are you are you interested in that sort of, I'll call social impact from a is your thesis that 
that's going to create an improved IRR for your fund? Or it's just, hey, we'd like to marry above market IRR with these sort of uh, noble attributes? I think the hope is that you can actually create a better IRR by finding companies that are, are benefiting society. Uh, that specifically plays into the property tech area. For example, when you look at affordable housing and, uh, and aging in place, the, these are, there's a high demand for these solutions, and they do make our society better. I do think there's a risk that, that uh, you end, you know, there's a risk that the two uh, theses, you know, become a little bit artificial, and, and you're trying to tack on social impact to technology. And uh, I think we have to be careful. Uh, we, we have to return high, high IRRs if we want to raise the next fund. So we, we, can't, uh, we can't just become a social entrepreneurship fund. Um, but I actually think there really are bona fide ways that tech and society can work together and produce a good IRR. Yeah. It's interesting, just going back to that same Jason Wolf podcast, who was talking about the difficulty of having that view because... Um, your version of what serves society well might differ from somebody else's based on their background, right? And it's essentially going into military technology, um, where military technology that's helpful for the U.S. might be harmful for somebody that comes from a different background, Pakistan, Iraq, or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see how y'all are able to make that balance over time as to what's better for society um, within that property tech space. Yeah. It's not, and nothing's clean, is it? Nothing's it's a, simple. It's an evolving thesis for yeah. us. I, I don't think we have it fully figured out. Um, but on the other hand, I think we're, we all, my partners and I feel... Uh, um, I think we're proud that that we're trying to work this into our thesis. Um, we're also very hard on each other. So j- just like uh, the, the Charlotte Angel Fund members, I mean, we 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 have a quite a lengthy process where we we get our facts and our opinions and our experiences on the table. And there's a lot of factors. This is one factor of many, um, but it's something that we've all kind of decided to to treat as a high priority. On that property tech phase, Greg, we were talking about it outside a few minutes uh, ahead of time, probably easy, appropriate to drop in. Um, Techstars is coming to Charlotte to kind of fit within that space to a certain degree, right? What's, what's the big news out there with Techstars Charlotte and kind of kind of fits into that future of what you're looking at as well, Mark? Well, the Techstars program... Um, as you know, and, and I think most people in and around this world know, a series of accelerators throughout the country do a terrific job. Um, I don't know, they have, I'm going to say 30, uh, some number like that. They, they're looking at Charlotte as a location, um, and the theme that they're looking at is upward mobility. Right, it's sort of, it's it, it all kind of ties. The, when they go to a city, they're looking to tie into, you know, an, an issue or a skill set that that particular community might have. And you, there, that's been upper mobility has been the thing in Charlotte for the past twenty four to thirty six months. Right, ever yeah. since we got number fifty out of fifty. There you go. And I, it's interesting because I don't know. I don't know how that manifests itself from an investment point of view. In other words, what 
I perceive that the Techstars model is at some point they say, Mark, you have an interesting startup, et cetera. We'd like to invite you to present or participate in our accelerator class in Boulder, Colorado or mm -hmm. Austin or whatever because you're a good fit there. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know um, I don't know how that's going to manifest itself to say, you know, Mark, your startup is tied to you know, um, upward mobility. Yeah. And so, therefore, we think the right place for you is in this cohort in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, be great for our community to have them here. Tech stars. It, tech stars, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, I know they're, they're, Evan Rosantes is kind of leading the charge here in the Charlotte market, and they're still, um, you know, looking for kind of the supporting organizations, both with dollars and effort that it takes to get that off the ground. Um, it would be a great thing great thing for the entrepreneurial community in Charlotte all the way around, both for the entrepreneurs, for the investors, for it to be interesting deal flow, et cetera. Um, be great. But it, it says a lot about Charlotte as a community that they're that they want to be in this market. Yeah. Um, kind of stay on that theme. So Charlotte Davidson, um, they've kind of been separate for a while. Um, but a lot of positive things are going on in those states, right? I mean, you've got the Hurt Hub that's come on board over the course of the last nine months. Um, Map Anything just had a nice exit in Charlotte. Um, we've got um, Atrium um, that's exploring um, their own hospital, which would be good for research. We've got Techstars that's coming. Um, we've got Dan just raised his, kind of did his first close with the QC FinTech Fund. Uh, Brandon Shelton's closing out his TFX fund number two. So a lot of stuff in the startup space here in the Charlotte Davidson area that's really positive. Um, Mark, your fund's out of D.C., right? Actually, the headquarters is Montreal. Okay, Ooh, I missed that one. Yeah. Um, what um, what is it? What does it take for that next step to come through, which is a large D.C. fund to set up? a larger 25 to 50 million dollar fund here in charlotte to raise that flag right there's been a it almost seems like there's been enough momentum for that to start to take place well i'll, I'll start but then I, i'm this is a topic that many people have an opinion on um i think that we have to uh, figure out what our our natural resources are in this area, and we have to build on those. Uh, we, we can't be uh, Boston or Austin or San Jose. Uh, so we have to figure out what we're good at, and we have to build on it. So from the get-go, it's not about Davidson versus Charlotte yeah. or, or any any sort of internecine warfare here. It's about figuring out the resources of the greater metro area and combining them. So it's, it's an and story. Um, uh, Every market has its own unique attributes that have kind of formed the, the fertile earth for the startups to flourish. I, you know, one of the things that we have in Charlotte is a fair number of large corporations, Fortune 50 type companies. And one tack that's been tried uh, over the last decade or so is to get those companies to become investors, to put money into funds. And I don't think that's worked. Um, we could go into why and why not, but I think that's not a successful paradigm. Um, one thing that – a creative idea that I've been putting out there is that wouldn't it be interesting if the large corporations in our area um, took a pledge to spend 1% or 2% of their supplier budget on startups? 
or they have to buy they have to buy software and other solutions from somebody. What if a small part of that that budget was spent on startups that met certain criteria? And not only would they spend with those companies, but they would have a they would have an expedited contract process, and they would pay net 30 so that they're actually stimulating those companies. The federal government does this. The federal government has a number of programs to support um, small businesses, disadvantaged, minority and female-owned businesses. What if there was sort of a startup pledge? I do think the one thing every startup needs is they need customers. And one thing we have in Charlotte is a lot of customers. So if, you know, something like that, if, if startups knew they could get customers, they would come here. And if VCs saw startups that had customers, <laughs> the VCs would come here. So it's just an idea, but I actually think if you wanna if you wanna find an organic resource that we already have, it's customers. And maybe there's a way we can activate those companies to to spend with these young companies that are growing in this area. Yeah. But we've got good founders and again I'll go back um uh, I have a slight man crush now with Derek um, Derek Wayne from Stratified after doing the, the cake side interview with a really dynamic person. Greg, is it is it soon? Is it or is it still five years away? That um, and I know, I, yeah, I, I know I, the chicken and the egg syndrome is what we're going into. Yeah, it's a little bit. I'll, I'll take that one on. I'm a believer. I think money follows deals. But in other words, you know, capital capital's hungry for deal flow, mm-hmm. and the, and it will it will go to where the deals are. Right. So if, if I were if I were, you know, if I were going to start an, a venture capital fund, and let's say I was just in the middle of Kansas, and I had my pot of money, and I'm going to be in the venture capital business, and where am I going to locate my firm? And, and let's assume I'm not aligned with any particular geography. The, the reality is you, pro- you wouldn't plant your flag in Charlotte today. If you were just, if you were agnostic about that whole thing, you would, you would land somewhere else. And it would be, it would be deal flow based. The, I think the big, the Charlotte, I think kind of any startup community is going to have its, there's a certain evolutionary pace. I think the big advantage we have here, the thing that's letting us grow at more, at faster than evolutionary pace, it's the same thing that is bringing, it's why bankers are moving from New York to Charlotte, et cetera. It's quality and relative quality and ease of life here. And, you and a, reason, a reasonable cost of living right. as well. And if you look at the people who are moving to Charlotte, the, the new Charlotte residents tend to be high-quality, capable human beings with generally um, kind of a, a rich set of experiences as a background. And, you know, I think of, and we see some of those, we see people show up in Charlotte they joined Charlotte Angel Fund. They've had experiences from other places. You look at a guy like Evan Rosantes mm-hmm. is a good example, um, who's you know, had entrepreneurial success, moved here from a, for a quality of life reason. Right? From, from Boston, from yeah. the Boston area. Um, I, I think that's our big advantage. Now, how that manifests itself, we're, we're at, and I think will, for the foreseeable future, be at... Um, a disadvantage as compared to some other communities with regard to R&D that's done locally, right? Charlotte is not, the Charlotte, you know, more broadly, there, there's not a lot of R&D that's done in this market. And if you think of R&D as, if you think of technology as being kind of a driver of a lot of interesting early stage startups, 
and R&D being the source of that, that sort of says the, the or, if you will, we're, we're, that or isn't here to be mined. We're having to, if you want a Charlotte-based startup, you're probably having to um, access that raw material from elsewhere. Uh, it certainly can be done. I think we have a lot of examples. I think the Charlotte success list is growing. You've got Avid Exchange and Red Ventures, who are sort of the, the well-established unicorns. You've got some companies that have had re- recent significant exits, Map Anything, Deal Cloud, Good Mortgage. You've got some companies here who've raised a lot of capital and seem to be on the path towards that, and you know, Pazer, Passport, Stratified, yeah. right? And you've got another tier of interesting early-stage startups who've attracted some capital, To You Laundry, Skipper, uh, Elements Brands. I think is one. Uh, Rabu. Rabu, right? Yeah. There are a lot of, so you can sort of see where those generations are. And I think those, re- those generations are broader and deeper than they were five years ago. Um, but it will take some time. Mark, you mentioned it a few minutes ago or earlier on in the podcast that Davidson has um, the liberal arts been to it, and you see the future of the founder being kind of a liberal arts person. And I think Greg's right, the historical. Um, founder has been technical based, which would be that kind of R and D types um, space, right? Um, how does that transition happen? I mean, obviously, the short answer is it happens over time, right? But how does it happen that the liberal arts person gains the upper hand again over the technical person in founding and leading successful companies? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. <clears throat> I do think generally to get a venture return, meaning you need a return between 10 and 100, 100x the money that you put in. You need, you generally need technology or some kind of a technology breakthrough that massively changes the productivity equation. So it's hard to, the, the best venture returns are based on technology that, that just completely change productivity. Um, However, when you think about the successful companies of the past decade, many of them have not been based on technology breakthroughs. Now, I think that you know uh, that might change. For example, in in the areas of biology, where, where you know where we have CRISPR and gene editing, which are clearly hard science tech breakthroughs. But uh, look, Uber and Lyft uh, were not technology breakthroughs; they were operational and business model breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the same could be said of Zoom, which just went public. So. Um, there's a whole class of highly successful startups that have brought what they brought to the table was uh, user experience, customer acquisition, a new business model, a new paradigm, and those are things that you don't have to have a physics degree or computer science degree to do. Um, you need to be tech savvy, but but look, every every two year old spends a half their waking hours staring at an iPad. So 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 by the time they're coming out of college, they're tech savvy. Yeah. Um, so I think that 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 students coming out of liberal arts schools, if they know there's a pathway for them, there's a lot that they can discover and they can have an impact. Um, there will still always be the track for the the major technology breakthrough, the new battery, the gene editing. The the uh, the new blockchain, which which requires technical prowess, but look, uh, there's no reason that that uh, that an Uber or a Lyft or a Zoom couldn't have been started by a Davidson student, and I think one day we'll see that. Do um, is the Charlotte region kind of just bring it back to Davidson, Charlotte, since this is where we are. 
Um, I want to say, are we destined to kind of, at least for the foreseeable future, see the 50 to $250 million exit um, and much less likely to run and run into another Abbott exchange or Red Ventures from that perspective? Are we in that kind of mid-market exit space for a while, or is it just impossible to know? I think we probably are in that for a while. It's better than where we used to be. Where we used to be was that the best entrepreneurs, as soon as they they, they were walking, moved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they left and went to another market. Now uh, there's enough of an ecosystem that they can stay and grow. Yeah. Now I do think there will be a period where uh, we'll have these kind of mid-tier, non-unicorn exits, and that's probably the next stage. Um, but it, but it's hard to leapfrog over that stage. Greg, you're looking I, at me. No, I think that's I think that's right. And I think these mid-tier exits, they're awesome. You just have to do it in a capital-efficient manner, mm-hmm. right? You can you, know, you can be wildly successful, and it can be wildly lucrative to have a hundred twenty million dollar exit, so long as it didn't take you eighty million dollars of capital to get to that's that. That's right. right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so yeah, I think I think that. Absolutely can happen, um, and I think. But I think it's founder dependent, yeah. right? And founder and opportunity dependent. I don't know if if fifteen years ago we would have been, we would not, or ten years ago we wouldn't have been pounding the table and saying we clearly have two unicorns to come in Avid Exchange and Red Ventures. Let me right. add a little something else because I like where you're what you're developing here. Uh, the key thing is to get entrepreneurs to stay and grow and exit in this market, even if they're not unicorn-level exits. Um, and then after those exits, they need to stay, and they need to recycle their proceeds into the next generation of startups. And that brings me back to what Greg is doing and what we're doing up here with Launch LKN and the Herd Hub, is we're just trying to create an ecosystem. Uh, this is not to where you know one program will rule them all. I think we're trying to have a diversity of different entry points for entrepreneurs so that they feel comfortable staying here, and when they exit, they recycle their money and they help the next generation. Um, I think that, you know, we had a conversation before you you hit the record button, William, about um, a company that didn't get money from the Charlotte Angel Fund, but they did raise capital from Charlotte Angel Fund members. Mm -hmm. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I'll give you my answer. It's a great thing. It doesn't really matter. What what I take from that is that we have a fertile ecosystem, and and there's sparks that are going off, and things are happening, and and it's okay with me if it's not happening at the Hurt Hub. It's okay if it's happening down in Ballantyne, but what we want is we want a fertile garden where lots of plants and weeds can grow. Uh, that's what we want. Yeah, and I'm pretty adamant. Once in a while, I'll meet a founder, and they'll say, "Gosh, I think I'm just going to have to. I got to go to the West Coast to raise money." And I think that versus stay in Charlotte, let's say, I think, I think for certain, in certain sectors, that maybe is true. Right? If you, for a social media entrepreneur, I would say you're far more likely to raise capital on the yeah. West Coast than you are in Charlotte because I don't know who here in Charlotte has made their money in anything that resembles that. And so it's a, it's a kind of uncomfortable space for most of the Charlotte-based Char- investors. Charlotte's a little better at B2B startups oh, than at B2C. You know. um, but I think, set that aside, you can... If you, I, think if, I think if you're a mediocre founder, you need to go somewhere else to raise capital. 
right? To where it's just more plentiful and eat more easily handed out. But if you're if you're doing something special, if you're doing something it's scalable, et cetera, so it has it's in the right sort of market, et cetera, and you're doing you're good to great at it, you're gonna raise capital. Capital yeah, is looking for deals. You talked about about investors need deal flow. Um, I think in general in entrepreneurship, you need you need density. You need density of, of entrepreneurs, you need density of investors, and you need density of acquiring companies as well. And uh, you don't just get that overnight. We're we're trying to build it organically, and we, we're building up some density, but we're still, you know, we're we're still, uh, you know, we're, where you think we'd be on maybe a four yeah. on a scale of ten yeah. for density, but we're moving up. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely different today than it was five years ago. We have it's a green arrow. Yeah, yeah. Our four has a green arrow next yeah. to it. Yeah, it's a good. It's a green candle. <laughs> um, if if we're likely building, and your point's valid, we have no idea what's actually building underneath our feet right now, right? It could be the next unicorn, and we just don't see it. Um, but if we're likely building fifty and two hundred fifty million dollar exits, is it a different due diligence process for that type of company and founder than it is for somebody? Uh, I mean, Mark, gosh knows, your fund is looking for larger exits than that, right? Or you're kind of a VC fund that's looking for stuff that can get bigger. Is it a different due diligence? Are we looking for different criteria? Do we take some singles that are smaller? What's the makeup of how you invest knowing that maybe we're not quite hunting for unicorns at this stage in the ballgame? And I can tell you that speaking with my institutional venture capital hat on, we won't invest in a company if we don't think they could return half of the current fund to us. Not in their total exit value, but in the value of our ownership stake. And that's and if they can't return half of our current, our current fund's $180 million. So if we don't think a company can return $90 million for our stake, we won't invest. Now, we know that's not going to happen most of the time, but there has to be a a path to that with the technology, with the team, with the addressable market. There, there has to be a path. Um, I do think it's, it's different as an institution because we raise money from pension funds and universities and so forth, and we have to, we have to post high IRRs. It is a little bit different when you look at the angel level where a 3 or a 5x return is, is, a, is a great return. Um, uh, but I think in general, the due diligence is probably not all that different. I think you want to make sure there's a large addressable market, and if the company does succeed, that there's there's a lot of growth ahead of them. Now, they might sell before they, they dominate that market, but at least they're, they're in the right jungle. Yeah. And this maybe gets back to risk-taking. I think... Um, I think one should not go into anything <clears throat> believing that, hey... The upside is a double on this, right? That just the risk reward doesn't make sense there. I think one should, you know, if you apply the 10x credit, hey, 10x, can I make 10x on this deal? What that really says is if we're in a market of 50 to 250 million dollar exits, you need to be investing earlier, right? You you need to uh, you need to be getting in at the angel stage in those deals. You need to get there before. You know, somewhere sub ten million in valuation. You need to be owning, you know, I don't know, five or ten percent of that company at the time that they exit. So if they exit for, for fifty million dollars, you get five million dollars return to the fund or yeah. whatever that might be. Yeah. Um stay with Davison for a second, we'll go back um, to that. Is is the hurt hub kind of the future or is it 
the future of the startup space up here. Uh, I mean, so go down and just think about Charlotte again. It kind of started off this Packard place way back in 2012, and now there's Huga, there's Advent, there's um, uh, WeWork. The whole world of kind of startups has changed in Charlotte. Do you expect the same thing to kind of um, to grow out of this area too? William, there's a waiting list of... I don't want to give the number because I'll get it wrong, but it's it's a double-digit number of companies waiting to get office space here at the hub. And and I actually, I think the Hurt Hub is playing an important role in the ecosystem, but my real hope is that there will be similar facilities, expansion facilities. Maybe the Hurt Hub is where you come for your first 12 months, and then there's a, then you upgrade to a bigger office space. And so my, my, my hope would be in the, you know, and it's really not about Davidson, it's really about the, the, the Charlotte metro area, that there are um, facilities all over town and that it's kind of a, again, it's an ecosystem. Yeah. What role does Davidson College play in that ecosystem over time? Obviously, other than graduating fantastic students, which it has always done. Well, they they will they'll always have my loyalty because they were the pioneer that, that that opened this building and paid for it with their own donors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what allowed us to convene and get started up here. Um, over time, I mean, look, we already we, we have a lot of involvement here at the hub of, of UNCC uh, students and faculty. So it's not just the Davidson College thing. But over time, I think the school, all of the, all of the institutions of higher learning in, in the Charlotte area should play a role here. Um, but, but Davidson in particular, the college, I think it's a pipeline of talented young students that want to explore entrepreneurship. And it's also a pipeline of faculty who are doing research in areas that, uh, that we think is fruitful for startups, whether it's uh, the math and computer science department or whether it's physics or optics or even some of the biology department. Yeah. Um, Greg, if they continue to pump out quality folks like that, um, how do they get into, how does the Angel Fund um, view younger entrepreneurs, right? I mean, I think if I had to guess the average age of the entrepreneur pitching to the Charlotte Angel Fund currently would probably be more into their mid to late 30s than their probably average to mid 20s. Um, how does the early stage world in Charlotte run jog, walk, whatever, towards the younger entrepreneur that's coming out of a space like this? I certainly don't think that, if I think about our group, I don't think we're in any way biased against the young founder. I think of some that we've invested in, um, Jordan Schindler at Textel. This He started this company in college and has... Um, you know, has no other, to my knowledge, full-time professional experience, workplace experience, other than in this company that he started. Um, you know, Maggie at Skipper, not all, it, relatively young. She's you know, did a little bit of work in the consulting field and then was in one other startup, but certainly in her twenties um, at the time that that we invested. I think that um, it's interesting. I'm thinking about all the pitches we've seen at Charlotte Angel Fund, and you know how it goes, 10-minute pitch, 10-minute Q&A, ask them to leave the room, and then we all gossip about them. 
And I can't remember a time when anybody said, I don't think that founder is experienced enough. I don't think that we might have other opinions about certain qualities that they might have, but I don't, I don't remember anyone saying just hasn't had enough life experience. William, I think that for, for an entrepreneur or someone coming out of the college or, or out of the hub, there are many, many entry points into the investment world. Uh, I think, I think, uh, Greg and the Charlotte Angel Fund is very approachable. There's a number of of investors, you know, that, that linger about the hub who are very approachable. Uh, so I think it's I think it's for for a founder with any amount of hustle, it's pretty easy to get those financial discussions rolling. There's a sense, and not not going down the political um, realm in any um, way, shape, or form right now. There's a sense that capitalism is dying in America, right? The number of new companies that are formed is drastically less than it was back in the 1980s. Um, it's just um, there doesn't seem to be as much as we talk about entrepreneurship. Um, there doesn't seem to be as much of it as it used to be. Um, and the Hurt Hub's trying to change it. How do you get more young entrepreneurs driven, um, and how do we get them funded? Um, when they have good solid ideas, right? How does that how does that work in our world? Um, I don't know whether the the um, the media narrative is really reflected in what's happening on the ground. And I know at our fund we we see multiple thousands of business plans a year. Uh, TechStars and Y Combinator are thriving and admitting more founders than ever before in more cities. Um, so I, I do know there's a, a, a lot of interest in social impact, um, but I wouldn't go as, as far as to say that, uh, that on, there's no capitalistic entrepreneurs. They're, they're out there, and they're finding their way to, uh, to investors. Yeah. yeah, I think if I look at Charlotte and, you know, I'll get super specific, but on neighborhoods, et cetera. But if I think about the parts of Charlotte where you sort of feel a lot of energy, et cetera, whether it's Noda or South End, um, for example, and, you know, sort of the, the think about the, the group of people who are hanging out at a craft brewery on a Saturday afternoon. I think by and large, so these are, these are people in their 20s or 30s. I think those people's, desire to work at one of the big Charlotte institutions is relatively low. I don't think those, I think they, they identify with small business, local. Now that that's a different type of entrepreneurship than what we're talking about in terms of the highly scalable, et cetera, but it's entrepreneurship nonetheless. Right. And I think that means a lot to them. I think they want that. I, I think that, um, I don't think that generation wants to put in their 30 years working in one of the towers in Charlotte. I really don't. Um, speaking of locations really quick, we'll start to wrap up here in a minute. Um, so we now have Davidson Extension with the Charlotte Angel Fund. Um, we've got Venture South. We've got Charlotte Angel Fund um, in Charlotte. Um, we've got Idea Fund that comes down here from time to time. Um, is Charlotte prime to have multiple different angel funds? Maybe a, is there something that gets set up down the line? You, know, you talk about UNC Charlotte coming up here all the time. Is there something that's kind of similar to UNC Charlotte? Is there a Valentine group because eventually, you know, Valentine's just different. Um, they're not called Valentine. But mm-hmm. 
um, can can the Charlotte area support multiple extensions or just multiple groups in and of itself? I think there are enough. First, I would say I would welcome that. We're all Charlotte is. It, um, we're always looking for more investors for companies that we're interested in, right? We're not looking to. You know, fully fund some entrepreneur, et cetera. So you're always, you know how it is, you're excited about this deal and you're calling the people you know, trying to find other people to come into this thing and, and make it happen. And Charlotte, the balance between the number of accredited investors there are in the Charlotte, in the greater Charlotte area, and the number of organized angel groups to which they can attach is kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah. If there were, I don't know how, William, I don't know. 20,000 accredited investors in Charlotte, some number yeah. like that. And if you want to attach to a fund that's res or a group that's resident in Charlotte, it's either Venture South or Charlotte Angel Fund. Those are your choices. Or you can be part of one of the uh, alumni based groups, you know, Wolfpack or otherwise, right? But those are your choices. The So there are no, um, there's certainly space for. Other angel groups to form the um, so that it, it, it takes someone willing to step up and being willing to do the administration and the deal flow and and all that sort of stuff and that's a um, your motivation typically for that is going to be something other than economic mm -hmm. right um, and so it's got to be somebody who feels that need for some reason. So we've essentially established two new businesses today. One is an angel fund group out um, in the Ballantyne area and also a co-working space up here in the Davidson area. Um, so we're spurring entrepreneurship and capitalism as we speak. I think I think Davidson's only five years away from their own five-story WeWork. Yeah. It'll be great. <laughs> That's right. Do they let five-story buildings here in Davidson? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> not if it wasn't built by 1940. <laughs> So, anyways, but I mean, no, I mean, I think Davidson's set up well. Um, I mean, the space is beautiful. I think the programming that y'all do up here is really neat. And tying a capital source away for people to come in and invest, um, kind of put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. Um, I'm excited, you know, I'm excited about it because I think Davidson just has a lot of potential. Um, and I'll go back and I'll tell you, I'm excited about it as, as much because I, I do think it changes the complexion of what the Charlotte Angel Fund invests in over time. Um, and I think that's really helpful for the ecosystem because I think the Angel Fund as a result will invest in earlier stage opportunities, which is good for the entrepreneurs that we see in Charlotte on a regular basis. And let me add one thing. I, I'm intrigued by the fact that there's sort of a different, a different vibe at Greg at your meetings here in Lake Norman versus the ones in Charlotte and it's not that one's better than the other but it's a diversity of opinion and I actually think it's going to lead to hopefully better investment decisions and, and more like you know more uh, I don't know a broader diversity of opinions always seems like a good thing in this business yeah no, I mean it seems like a perfect opportunity to have over time as this group forms and that group forms um, kind of a um, I don't know, a teaching lesson about what this group is looking for and why versus what this group and, and just um, help each group kind of see how the other one thinks. Um, 
uh, learns processes, due diligences, and everything else. So um, I think it'll be an interesting um, lesson for both sides, old Charlotte and new Charlotte. Maybe we'll do some forced cross-pollination, and if you're a Charlotte Angel Fund member, you must attend at least one meeting a year in the other location. See, craft craft beer makes things like that easy. Yeah, Yeah, there's the challenge in Charlotte. We do have an official beer sponsor for our Lake Norman-based meetings. We need we need one of the we need one of the craft breweries in Charlotte to step up. We'll have so to work have, on that. We have a D nine sponsorship here yeah. in Charlotte. We need a William. You got your work cut out for you. you. Don't, <laughs> it, it, they're coming uptown. You don't want them grabbing that Charlotte real estate as the official beer sponsor there. Do or, you know to brewing? Yeah, or or we just started a new business, which is a craft beer company right next to Packer Place. So there's a, a leg in right. Yeah. So we've started three new businesses today. Uh, well, thanks. I think, again, I think what y'all are doing is, is really neat with Launch LK, Launch LKN, Herb Hub, Charlotte Angel Fund coming up here. Um, I think it has nothing but good things for the long-term health of the Charlotte ecosystem. So uh, thanks for your time today. Um, Mark, I know you got to run, so I will honor that and let you go. Um, and Greg, we'll, we'll head on over there as well. All right. Thanks, William. Thanks. Thank you, William. William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.